0: visitor at Spectrum Center, and I want to ask the people how the visitor makes them feel, because there was a picture over at Charlotte Hornets practice, of course, at Spectrum Center, and there was an old basketball coach. I was trying to zoom in to make sure I recognized the person correctly. Larry Brown over there.
1: OLB,
0: the head coach of the Charlotte Bobcats, once upon a time, and probably about 50% of the college and NBA teams that have ever existed. More than likely, he was a coach of your favorite team or is associated with your favorite team. That's a fact. Larry Brown over with the Bobcats. Yeah, he got us a playoff appearance. Also brought us down a bad record with Paul Silas at the helm, but the one that really set it up for failure with the 7-59 and record that we all saw. Um, also, the stories on Larry Brown are absolutely amazing with his time coaching the Bobcats, with Ryan Hollins telling stories about it, Stephen Jackson with the All the Smoke podcast. So yeah, how does Larry Brown make you feel? I saw Smoke quote tweet and uh, say, I still can't believe he convinced a group of people to select DJ Augustine over Brooke Lopez at the time, and that would turn out not to be the right decision. So Larry Brown, man, beautiful basketball mind, I would say, t- beautiful is is an interesting word there. Great basketball mind championship basketball mind but man wore out his welcome pretty quickly wherever he went
1: yeah when i think about larry brown i always think about the Allen iverson years mm-hmm. that was at the, the the height of his popularity i guess you would say in the mainstream but just always known as a fixer a guy that could come to any program and he might not get along with all of the players but he'll get you on a winning track but as you said Hard to deal with as far as not staying in places very long, but still one of the, the greater basketball coaches of our era. Uh, not as many championships necessarily as some of his peers, but as I said, a fixer and a guy that could come in and get you winning pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I know people that think Larry Brown is, I mean, the best basketball coach of all time, Like, which is, it's a lot. but there are people i mean look he's won a college championship he won an nba championship and i know fitty you were a big fan of those 04 detroit pistons that he won a ring with and so being a Tar Heel guy i imagine it's nothing but love for larry brown over there at the uh at the soundboard
2: uh yeah for the most part i mean he didn't run clean programs wherever he was at in college and the nba yeah he he won my beloved pistons a title and then left and Came here and took us to the playoffs and got swept. So, um, ah, the backhand compliments. Well, you look like a wrestler doing
1: chops in the ring. All right. Thank you. It's, uh,
0: <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it was a good conversation about Larry Brown. Time now for the live wire
1: <laughs> with Josh Fittimore. Live wire connect. Live wires on the team connect.
0: Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east
1: and the, the west, up north, to the down.
2: Well, since it's a short week, the coordinator spoke over at the at the bank today, and Thomas Brown met with the media. And I think we've seen the tight ends have a more increased role since he became the play caller overtaken for Frank Reich. And he explained why that was the case in the most recent game against the Colts.
1: Yeah, it's good to find ways to, uh, you know, find who can affect the game. When it comes to matchups, I think offensively it's always about our personnel first, so I can, you know, do a really good job attacking the opponent. Uh, but those guys did a nice job of trying to be in where they're supposed to be from a zoning standpoint. Obviously, have a huge, explosive play on third down to Hayden, which is good to kind of see him kind of get going. But uh, it's all kind of based on the matchups, but also what the defense presents for us to get guys open.
2: How much is Bryce. Uh, been hurt by not having that go-to tight end that you see so many young quarterbacks depend on early on in their careers?
0: So, I don't know if it's necessarily a tight end question. I really think it's just a weapon question. The fact that you've only been able to depend on Adam Thielen all year long. We've talked about the age-old adage of you yeah, uh, do Tight end is a young QB's best friend. If you look at the history, the stats don't necessarily bear that to be true. But Hayden Hurst being utilized more in the passing game certainly would help Bryce Young. Now, the problem is he's built a better rapport with Steven Sullivan. What we saw in this game before he got banged up He was the go-to guy at the tight end position for Bryce Young and also Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble in big-time situations, whether it be a fourth and short or fourth and goal, where you're talking about him throwing a touchdown pass to touchdown Tommy himself. It'd be great if Hayden Hurst had worked out, but it hasn't yet. Despite the big play that we saw, we've seen drops. We've seen little production. I just want Hayden Hurst and a lot of the other signings to work out that uh, Bryce Young is throwing
1: to. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, a tight end would be nice, sure, but I just think he needs guys that are getting open and winning one-on-one matchups on a regular basis outside of Adam Thielen. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, that they need, and they're going to have to rebuild this receiving core from the ground up. And then if a tight end happens to come available in that process that can help expedite that, then great. But I just think they need playmakers all over the field.
2: We talked back in the 1 o'clock hour about how Thursday's game could impact the future of maybe Scott Fitterer, Frank Reich, and this entire coaching staff. Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer, he joined the Kyle Bailey show yesterday to talk about just how hot he thinks the seat is for the Panthers' GM
3: an interesting spot because, remember, he's like kind of the last vestige of like the Matt Rule error, so obviously he's going to get heat for that, but let's not forget, it was a collaborative process for Bryce Young, so if you're going to assess blame for Fitterer, you also kind of have to give that to David Tepper, but he can't fire himself, and Frank Reich and his staff, and I think Scott Fitterer deserves a lot of blame here. The front office made some signings that have not panned out well, and you know, as much as the coaching staff did weigh in, like, Justin Houston was a Frank Wright guy. DJ Chark and Miles Sanders, it's well-documented that Frank and Deuce Staley wanted them here. Like, ultimately, the general manager is in charge of it all, and so he is rightfully getting criticized for a lot of the stuff. There's no way to kind of jump around it. I mean, I think a lot of people deserve a lot of blame in the roster moves, but ultimately, the buck stops with him from a
2: personnel standpoint i think to come to the defense of scott fitterer this was his first real offseason having 100 say in personnel decisions is one year even no matter how bad is it about is it is it enough to get him fired
1: uh yeah i definitely think it can be because in the time they finally give you an opportunity to make moves you busted on a lot of these guys that you brought in so mm. i think another offseason will be um In order for him to be able to see if he can get this thing right, and if he can't sign the right guys yet again, then yeah, definitely he has to be out of here. Well,
0: and and so with me using that very defensive Scott Fitterer, we can't act like he didn't have his hands in the other signings too that took place with Matt Rule here. Like Scott Fitterer still had a role. Not everybody was a Matt Rule guy. And if there's not a lot of good to choose from, then that means you can't give the good players to Scott Fitter because there's not many anyway. So if that's the case, then he does bear a lot of this responsibility, even if he hasn't been in full control. Maybe his vision has been compromised by David Tepper and Matt Rule to where he couldn't fully go with what he wants to do. But as Mike Cave mentioned, as I said yesterday, David Tepper's not going to go anywhere. So you even... You got to learn how to build this team with David Tepper being the way that he is. And what's interesting, too, like I I like Scott Fitterer, but man, what am I supposed to put more, more stock in? Am I supposed to put more stock in all of the coaches that are on this staff that have had success elsewhere, even if it came to an end? But everybody knows that you get hired to be fired at some point, unless you're Bill Belichick. And it might be his day soon. So Frank Reich. Agero Averro, whether it be Dom Capers, Jim Caldwell, who's done a nice job, man. I mean, there's a lot of success stories on this coaching staff. There's not much that you can point to and say that's where Scott Fitterer headed out of the park, whether it be his time here in Carolina or we give John Schneider a lot of the success as to why or a lot of the reason as to why Seattle was successful. So, yeah, I. I hate it because it seems like he's a good guy. Joe Person talked about how respected he is in the league. But, I man, it just hasn't worked out, especially in the NFL draft where you are supposed to build the foundation of your team.
2: All right, well, now we'll get to a fun piece of audio from the former quarterback of the Panthers, Cam Newton. And, Wes, I imagine during your time in football locker rooms, you may be encountered players trying to buy a jersey number or something like the sort. Well, believe it or not, Jimmy Clausen after having one of the worst rookie seasons in modern NFL history, tried to make Cam Newton buy his number two when the Panthers drafted him. And uh, here's the way the story went down according to Cam Newton. I don't even want number one. Man, Jimmy Clausen, we cool now. Jimbo, <laughs> he's like, shit, you want it, you got to pay
1: for it. I was like, cool, how much? He said a million. One million dollars. I said, boy, kiss my ass, bro. I said, a million dollars, bro. I said, bro, people don't make a million dollars in a lifetime, let alone I'm gonna give you a million dollars just for a f-ing number. <laughs> so I thought he was playing. The mother f- comes back and said, okay, bro, I'll talk to my people. We'll do it for 750000 I said, oh. <laughs> oh, you for real? <laughs> I hung that phone up. True story. Hung that phone up. I called the equipment man. I said, I'm rocking with number one. I made an oath to myself. I said, that will be the last time Jimmy Clawson will ever be heard of in Carolina.
2: Two things. I want to know who Jimmy Clausen's people were that had the asking price come down $250,000. And second, Wes, did you ever have a teammate try to buy your number? And if so... What would have been your asking price? Well, yeah, in college there was no was NIL, saying. so there was no money oh, yeah, that's thrown right.
1: around. You
2: might have offered snacks
1: or maybe some extra food at the Chick-fil-A off of your meal card or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, <this laughs> Cam saying, Newton, what does that look like? Yeah, this Cam Newton story is phenomenal. Uh, you love it because you do wonder the origin of guys' numbers because everybody thought that for a guy like Cam, especially as flashy as he was, that he picked number one to be able to say I'm the guy I'm the one that would have been the narrative a lot of people would have gone with and but they to, did no and they did yeah but to be able to find out that this was how this all happened and what he was able to do to get Jimmy Clawson up out of here I mean that was great and I guess Jimmy knew the writing on the wall when they picked Cam anyway so he said I might as well be able to see what I can finesse out of this guy
0: on one hand
1: <laughs> I agree
0: with I think what Jack wrote in saying Jimmy Clausen stood on business and I applaud him for that. (laughs) A million dollars is a lot. You know, the number one overall pick just got paid. Now, remember this was right after we saw the last big ol rookie contract that was handed out to Sam Bradford, the number 1 overall pick out of Oklahoma. So Cam Newton missed out on that. He was the last one, he's the one that kind of put that into the collective bargaining agreement. But he was still making a lot of money. Jimmy Clausen decided, I'm going to try to squeeze him for a million. Okay, I'll settle for 750,000. I like that he was trying to get as much as he could. On the flip side, the audacity. After Jimmy Clausen put up the year that he did, that led to the number one overall pick unmitigated gall jimmy if you played better cam newton's not on your team right (laughs) (laughs) or blaine gabbert might be maybe jake locker would be but cam newton's not as the number one overall pick and so if you would have played better then you wouldn't have had to be in this predicament anyway but you're so right about the whole Cam Newton's uh, look at me guy. He's mm-hmm. so flashy. He chose number one because he's number one, and it just looks bad. It's hilarious that Jimmy Clawson is the one that forced him to go that way because he wanted his old number in number two. Cam was trying to be number two, very opposite of what LaMelo wanted to become, which was number one after he was number two his rookie year. And the last thing I'll say, too,
1: is that, yeah, most jersey stories you hear with guys in the league, you're talking twenty, thirty thousand, 30,000, something like that. Or some type of perk. But that number was astronomical.
0: (laughs) I want, when we get into a show fight, to have the isolated Cam Newton soundbite. We good now. After we have it. (laughs) After we move on. We good now. That'll do it for the Live Wire with (laughs) Vinny. Excellent job ending on the Cam Newton-Jimmy Clausen jersey story. All right, what kind of effect would Brian Burns' absence have on Thursday Night Football? And just how good of a news update did we get with an edge rusher returning from IR on this Panthers team it's coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ
1: This is the western Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Carolina Anthem right there. P.D. Pablo. I mean, is that top two or three song made about North Carolina? I mean, it's got to be. Who crazy. beats it? Yeah. I mean, you said I, two I'm or trying three. to think, though. There's been some. You know, I'm sure there's some older songs that we may be forgetting that have been made. I know oh, what you're going to bring Carolina. up, Teddy. Go ahead.
2: Which one? Which one, where do you think I'm going? Sweet,
1: Sweet, Carolina. You're about to go Neil Diamond on us.
2: You're a little James Taylor, Carolina. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, no worthy. Yeah, that's okay. what I saying worthy. Yeah.
0: Worthy. Okay, it's up there.
2: I thought you were going to go Neil
0: Diamond. I would not like that. Plus, Boston wants to claim it too, and so I'm 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 even okay with that. Like let Boston <laughs> claim it. You're right about that, though. James Taylor, Carolina on my mind. That is that is a worthy yeah. entry of being the best Carolina anthem.
2: And whenever you hear that song, you don't think of Durham, North Carolina, like Saturday Night football yep. played seventeen times when they were there for the the, the the Notre Dame game. You you think of Chapel Hill. You, I mean, you you don't think of hell when you think of that song.
0: I also like in my brain, even though I, I understand what you said and we'll move on. I do like in my brain James Taylor and Petey Pablo in a Carolina off.
2: Could you imagine? Could could Willie emotionally handle that?
0: Um, no, P.D. Pablo, Pablo no, P.D. Pablo, I will always remember him going full length Twitter video of P.D. Pablo's halftime performance because of how much he likes P.D. Pablo.
1: <laughs> then Jack on the text line chimes in and says he did flop on a Super Bowl hype song. I like that song. And I'm not. Even a Panthers fan. And I like the song that Petey made for the Panthers. Uh, his popularity obviously has died down now. So that song might not have been out to the masses that mm-hmm. way. But I like that song. The Carolina Black and Blue. That was pretty dope. I don't remember it as well. I thought
0: it was pretty good. Yeah, I need to listen back to it again. <laughs> Maybe we can pull it up and listen to it in the last segment or something.
1: Keep the text coming. 704 570 Hey, that's something good to get the text line jumping. Give us your best songs dedicated to North Carolina. What do you have for us? Also, hit the socials, the Wes and Walker Twitter page, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. Wesbryne underscore 72 at Walker Mellon at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. Check out all the the behind-the-scenes comment, our question of the day, which is which ACC basketball team looked the best last night. And you can catch uh, part of my foul line rant that I had for MJ Moore. So check all of that out. But continuing on with our conversation with the Carolina Panthers, Brian Burns, all but ruled out by Frank Reich. We know he left that game late against the Colts with a concussion. And Frank Reich came out and made the comments talking about that it's going to be next man up for him. So what kind of effect do we feel like Brian Burns being out is going to have on this defense coming into this football game?
0: Well, it's going to mean a lot. Even if you're disappointed with Brian Burns, even if you don't think that he should be making $30 million a year, which is what he's reportedly asking for during this contract dispute. Brian Burns is by far leaps and bounds your best pass rusher. And if he does not play, even if it is against the Chicago bears who do not have a good offensive line, it is going to be a lot better for Chicago's offensive line to go against what as your best pass rusher, Justin Houston, I guess who was good at the he's beginning of the IR, season, correct. but he's file Yeah. So Marquise Haynes is going to be the answer because Marquise Haynes is coming back from IR. And I Doesn't necessarily mean that he's active. I don't know if Marquise Haynes is going to suit up. I haven't seen that yet, but we do know that he is coming back from IR. That's a good sign. We've been missing him quite a bit, but because something bad has to happen to the Panthers this year, if you get somebody back, that means Brian Burns is going to enter the concussion protocol on Sunday and all but be ruled out against Chicago. Yeah, it's going to be a big absence in a game that you absolutely need. Think about losing this one where Adam Schefter in the soundbite that we played earlier told you when Chicago wins, if they win, then that means it's a bigger one because they actually help themselves get a better draft pick with them owning the Panthers first round pick. So you would like to be at full force. Doesn't, doesn't look like you're going to be that with Brian Burns all but ruled out.
1: Yeah. And so when you talk about Brian Burns and currently coming into last week's game, he was top five in the league and pass rush win rate. And so, well, actually, that's this week's rankings. And so this is a guy that is generating some pass rush for you. We know about the every other sack, every other week he's getting a sack thing. And they're going to have to blitz more. And when you break down this Carolina defense, they're 10th currently in blitz percentage. So they're bringing the heat to teams. But the thing is, it's not getting home with the consistency that you would want because they're 22nd in hurry percentage. They're 17th in quarterback knockdown percentage and 21st in pressure percentage. So Coach Everett is bringing the heat out there on the edge, but it's not necessarily getting home. Burns leads the team in sacks. He's one of the few guys that he is getting home, is getting that quarterback into the turf, not necessarily at the rate that you want him to. So certainly when you look at all those numbers and then you take away the guy that does the best job at doing this, it's certainly going to hurt against the Bears. And Justin Fields uh, could be back, could, should, I believe, be back for this one.
0: So, YGM gone. Justin Houston, old. <laughs> Brian Burns, gone. I The edge-rushing situation has been...
1: Walker, you got some edge-rushing? You think you could come out there?
0: No. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> if you're relying on me as much as I would take even the one-game paycheck, even if it means I'm coming off of the practice squad, I don't want to do that to y'all Panther fans, man. Like, I'm I'm one of you. I, if I, I would... Go on the radio the next day after playing a game the night before and saying, What the hell was that edge rusher doing out there filling in for Brian Burns last night? I would destroy myself. I would criticize myself to no end, and call for Scott Fitterer to cut me or Scott Fitterer should be fired. That's how bad I would be.
1: All right, so when we go look at the offensive side and Bryce Young and what what he's had going on in this season, he's been sacked 27 times, hit 27 more times. He's got eight passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, and this past game was the third time in six starts that he's had at least two interceptions. And opponents have scored 45 points off of those turnovers. And Carolina's given up 59 points off of turnovers overall. That's the second most in the NFL behind the Patriots. And so that just got me to thinking about uh, his development this season. Where do we feel like that he is in that? But let's first play some sound from Frank Reich talking about winning and development.
0: No, we understand every coach and every player understands that we're really measured by both. I mean, winning is primarily what you're measured by, but I think they're... You know, I think it's also development. You know, when people see, when fans see, when the organization sees, when the owner sees, hey, okay, I want, I want results now. Well, I'm not quite getting the results. But are we moving in the right direction? Are we making progress? That's the development that you're talking about, Joe. So, and I think as a coach and as a player, that, that's always in play all the time. So um,
1: that's what we're trying to do. Both are, both are incredibly important. All right, and so when you look at this offense, and I feel like where he is in his development, sure, he's had some really bad moments. But I I think he's still a guy that's getting better. And we know with rookies that you're going to have moments where you get better and you're going to take steps back. And when we look at this offense and the way it's been designed, the numbers bear out that they tell you that they're trying to be a conservative brand of football. And maybe the offensive line has dictated that a lot. But when you look at this team, the Panthers are near the bottom and completed air yards per completion. They're near the bottom in uh, air yards per pass attempt. And then they're next to last in average depth per target. And their average depth per target is around six yards. So these guys aren't going deep. They aren't running a lot of deep routes. This offense isn't designed for Bryce to drop back in a five- to seven-step drop on a regular basis and let that thing go downfield. Um, But where do you feel like, Walker, he is in in his development thus far?
0: That comment from Frank Reich reminds me that he was the one that would have been cool with signing Derek Carr to a two-year contract worth a decent amount of money per season. He wanted to deal with a veteran QB because it is easier on the head coach to just roll with somebody that has been in the NFL for quite some time. It doesn't mean that he doesn't like developing a QB, but it does mean that he'd rather have the veteran – Think about what happened with the Colts, partly because of Chris Ballard, partly because of maybe ownership, but every single year, they just refused to draft a rookie QB for Frank Reich to start. Even when Jim Hersey was telling him to start Sam Ellinger, he wanted to roll with Nick Foles when Matt Ryan went down. We all know about that story. Yeah, it's going to be tough, and he's never had to make that decision before, developing a young QB and balance that with actually winning the game. I don't even know what that looks like. Does it mean just taking downfield shots for the hell of it? Hey, all right, but this is what Bryce Young is going to have to learn anyway, so we might as well do it even if it is in harm's way. Or does it mean, all right, well, we don't want Bryce Young to get beat all to hell and we'll just throw him, uh, we'll just throw another screen pass, we'll throw another uh, pass to a running back that's only five yards past the line of scrimmage. He's never really had to balance that before. This was going to be a new situation for Frank Reich. And this is why it's so disorganized, in my opinion, Wes, because if Frank Reich wanted Derek Carr, wanted a vet QB, but it's not his decision, so then it falls with Scott Fitterer. But we're not even sure if Scott Fitterer is making that decision. It goes back to David Tepper, who wants Bryce Young, so now it might be Scott Fitterer wants Bryce Young, too. And the two QBs that we were feeling Frank Reich wanted the most was either Derek Carr or a veteran or C.J. Stroud. Maybe even Anthony Richardson, if you ask Tony Pauline, who joined Weston Walker during the NFL offseason. It was the big QBs or a veteran one. I hate this for Bryce. I, I don't want that, but I do think that Frank Reich is trying to develop Bryce Young to the best of his ability. He's too good of a guy, too respected. I don't think he's sabotaging Bryce Young by any means. And then he's even handing over offensive play calling duties to Thomas Brown. It just feels like it's a disorganized mess as this, as, as this season unfolds.
1: All right, let's hear the sound from Trent Green where he also chimed in on Bryce Young and where he feels he's at
4: he's made good progress up until this game. I think if you look at the games each week he's progressively gotten better. Completion percentage decision making his best game of the year was last week against Houston when he had that 15 play game winning drive to come up with to key play at the end. Now today he just ran into a buzzsaw of a Gus Bradley defense that was sick and tired of hearing about how bad they've been, what they can't do, what they can do and, and they just brought the heat they, they, it was a different attitude that we saw out of the Colts today and, and you're going to have some games and some mistakes when you're a young quarterback like Bryce Young where you're going to to get confused and try and force some things. I thought the two pick sixes, one was he was trying to throw out to his left, went through the double progression, the pressure closed around him in the pocket, then he tried throwing late to the flat. You can't throw late to the flat. Not in the NFL. If you float it late to the flat, it's going to be a pick six. Then on the screen, he was under pressure and just sailed it because he didn't have a clean view of where the running back was. So I'm a little bit more forgiving just having played the position uh, I can understand your comparisons to the other guys in the league. But if you look at C.J. Stroud and the weapons that he has there in Houston, who do the Carolina Panthers have that scares you if you're the defense?
1: All right, real quick, before we get to the last 50 flash, I asked the question on the Panthers doing a good job of developing, developing him. And I would say in theory, I would say, yeah, because you try to go get a young receiver that they could grow together in Mingo. You go get him a vet and Adam Thielen. You go get him a tight end didn't know the offensive line was going to end up regressing to the point that they have. So I feel like to this point their intent was very good. And I think uh, at this point I would say I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're doing a good job of developing him. I know they switched offensive coordinators as well, uh, but hopefully he'll get the stability with Thomas Brown that you look for. But as far as what they intended to do for him – I'll, I'll give them credit for that. It, you got to do it, though, for sure.
0: And I I know the intention was good, but hopefully they land a little bit more of their uh, idea going forward with Bryce Young. Josh Norris and Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy put out a couple stats on Bryce Young. And Trent Green's comment there talking about throwing the outside of the numbers on crucial downs. This graphic backs it up. Hayden Winks tweeted out 50% of the Panthers throws on third or fourth down this year have been short of the first down marker and to the outside, both bad. Josh Norris quote tweeted that and said, this stinks because Bryce is actually completing 67% of his passes over the middle of the field beyond the line of scrimmage, which I've talked about a couple of times. He's good operating over the middle of the field. 50% of his attempts have been thrown over the middle of the field and defenses are keying in on the long third and fourth downs and their tendencies To not throw it to the line to gain and also throwing it outside the numbers and also throwing the screen passes, that's where the coaching staff could do a better job of developing Bryce, putting him in situations that he's actually been successful in over the last seven games. How many passes, Wes, have we seen either not killed when they're supposed to be, dirted when they're supposed to be. The, the screen passes haven't been working. They haven't been picking up the first downs when they try. I'm sure they have a couple times, but more often than not, it's not working. That's where Frank Reich is a play caller I've had some questions about, and now Thomas Brown. I, we saw the screen passes against Houston, too. We saw it here against Indianapolis. I know they're scared to death of their offensive line. Thomas Brown can tell me all he wants about how he's <sighs> not. Yeah, he's scared. Okay, he can tell me that he's not concerned at all. Thomas, great job, you know, caping for your players. I don't believe you. I don't believe you one bit. Your play calling suggests otherwise. So oh yeah, once the offensive line fixes itself, Wes, and it's not gonna fix itself, you have to have the uh, you have to have the front office do that. I think it's gonna solve a lot of problems, and I think Bryce Young is gonna look like a lot better QB, even if the weapons don't change, which I hope they do too. But even if the weapons don't change, the biggest problem, in my opinion, is how bad the offensive line has been.
1: All right, Fiddy, last flash of the day. Let's get it. Fiddy
2: I did want to transition back to the College Hoops landscape because it took us one night to see major upsets, both in the women's game, where number one LSU got upset by number 20 Colorado, and then Tom Izzo lost his first home game in November to James Madison. Ironically enough, his nephew was on the Dukes' as a. Coaching staff, and that's the whole reason why he scheduled the game to begin with. So one night in the women's and the college basketball scene, major upsets in both the men's and the women's game.
1: Yeah, that was wild, especially with LSU because they were the glamour team of the all season, the national champions, and we know that them bringing over Haley Van list and all of that. And this was a team that was supposed to run roughshod through everybody. And for them to get upset on the opening night, Kim Mulkey was not a happy camper uh, about that. And she talked about how Colorado, they knew. And no, Deion Sanders was not coaching the Colorado women's basketball team. But she talked about how she felt with a senior-laden, experienced team. Coaches know, man. They know that that her team was out getting a scrilla doing all this glamorous stuff and it caught up with them and then Michigan State couldn't happen to a better team. So glad they got smoked. Overrated as always.
0: How about both of those coaches, Kim Mulkey and Tom Izzo, suffering a loss at the beginning of the season? I don't know if collectively you could find a happier group of college basketball fans than both of those coaches losing their first games with the disdain for Tom Izzo now in Michigan State and also Kim Mulkey. Not the LSU basketball program, but the coach. Very different, because I like the players for LSU, yeah. but Kim Mulkey a lot of people dislike, and obviously Michigan State and Tom Izzo a lot of people dislike. And how crazy is it, man? People used to love Tom Izzo. <laughs> like College basketball fans used to love coaching, coaching in March. All the mess at Izzo Michigan Madness. State, and he's
1: always seeming to yep. be mixed into it, and he always gets a pass, and that's rubbed a lot of people the, the wrong way, I know, especially for me.
0: It absolutely has. And so we'll see if either one of those teams can get back on track, although you would imagine so. This is just first season jitters. I would imagine with even us not liking those coaches, they're still respectable programs.
1: No doubt about it. Well, when we come back, the final segment of the day on the on Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Special technique of Shadow box.
0: One more segment to go on Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Weirdly upset with Fitty for the Ed Coda disrespect during the break. <laughs> my favorite Carolina player. And then he wanted to talk about how he was propped up by fantastic players around him. And it's just, just weird. For somebody that loves Carolina so much, I would expect to have nothing but love. It's not like I wanted an Ed Coda debate. I just wanted some love for my favorite Carolina player of all time. But he came with some hatred. And well, I didn't expect
1: it. Well, that's the thing, now I I got to give Fitty some love right here, man, because well, of he, course he hated a player that you hated. <laughs> well, no <laughs> doubt that, 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 that's part I of it too. But I got to give love. Fitty the credit. If 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 most Carolina fans were like him, then they would be a more enjoyable fan base because Fitty calls it like it is. He's pretty objective. I that mean, is the he wildest thing
0: you've ever said he, in your entire
1: he, life. He has his times where he gets his digs in, but Fitty will get on Carolina and say stuff, and he's not just this. You know, Carolina's the greatest all day, every day, like a lot of... I'm saying, like, he calls them out on their their, their nonsense. When they're not playing well, he'll say so. If he thinks they're not going to win, he'll say so. That's all I'm saying. You can't... There's not a lot of Carolina fans that you can get to be objective like that. They're going to always be like, oh, Carolina's going to win. It don't matter. This, that, and it's down the third. Fiddy will call them out, but he the, he'll middle, go to the other In side. the middle of the game,
0: when Fiddy <laughs> is at an all-time rage, he will call them out. And then he'll talk about a little bit on air about how poorly they played. But then you start to talk about North Carolina as a whole. Well, it's the best university of all Dad, time. Sure, and this is sure. this is the standard here at North Carolina. Sure. This is what we are. Sure. He even made a comment like that where Drew said, you know, North Carolina was ranked pretty high and I don't think they deserve it. like, ranked pretty high, buddy. 19 is not
2: high for North Carolina <laughs> standards. Dude, the <laughs> best they, part about that... Because well, she weren't in there. Drew pref it or Drew preface by saying this: I haven't watched Carolina basketball in five years. But here's my opinion: There's not a person in the building, he's not even on the radio, that'll tell you an uninformed opinion, but then tell you that you're wrong for arguing with them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you do that with the Hornets, though.
2: Not really. I mean, <laughs> I he did that with yeah, the, in the
0: NBA in general. There, there was there was a there was a time where I wanted to bring it up. But there was a time where you told me that you did not watch the game, and then argued a ton with me about a PJ contest
2: in that game. Well, because it's just and you told me you didn't watch the game. It's just annoying listening to someone talk about a guy that's individual play doesn't translate to winning. Tell me when you watch it. Okay, (laughs) I've watched. They've played what five, six games. Yeah. Because of Bally I miss I miss two. I, well, I, yeah,
0: that's right. The, I watched the two.
2: I'm courtside tomorrow night. Oh, that'll be sweet. I'm coming back with a scouting report. I'm going to know him better than <laughs> Brittany Renner knew him.
0: <laughs> that's hey, a you problem. Might
2: not miss it because of Valley next year.
0: <laughs> that's a really big you problem. If you do, they're going to kick you out <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and I would advise Jeff Rickard to take away those tickets from you strongly. <laughs> strongly advise that. All right, let's go to your jersey swap story, Wes, because you talked about having a jersey swap story, even if you didn't pay for one back in college, Uh you do have a story.
1: Well, yeah, on the Wake Forest team, now, this will get a little bit on the sadder side, uh, to an extent, but there was a situation, though, just to be relevant with the story, where we had a guy on our team, and, uh, you know, I won't say his name, but John Abadi, who they made the movie about, uh the fifth quarter and we know that when his little brother uh passed that he wanted the jersey number five and the guy who had it was a also ran defensive back not doing much at all not seeing the field like that and he had the audacity to tell him no he wasn't gonna switch it he's like oh this has been my number since high school and stuff like that guys wanted to beat the brakes off of him, including myself. I was no longer there, but guys told me about it. And I knew this kid, and I wasn't too fond of him anyway. And they was like, yeah, man, he won't give uh, John the jersey. And I just thought it was just the wildest thing I'd ever heard, and it just it just, uh, it, it just really sucked. So that was a big thing on the team because guys really wanted to uh, take him in a, in a dark closet and beat the fool out of him because he wouldn't give uh, John a number.
0: I just wanted Fiddy's <laughs> background laughter to take over for a little bit. <laughs> you like that story? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's yeah. uh It is a little bit you can sad. Get wild
1: with the jerseys.
0: Yeah, it, it can. I
1: got some more to tell y'all during the break.
0: Okay. All right. Oh! This is a chaotic ending to the show. It what is. you got for us, Fiddy?
2: Uh, massive move in the NFL. Former can- uh, Panthers quarterback legend. Jacob Eason has been signed to the Giants practice squad. You know what they say about Jacob Eason? He's tall, baby. He <laughs> <laughs> got a live arm. <laughs> but yeah,
0: look, you know, I like Jacob Eason. He's tall. Um, he's tall. And I do think that he's a tall quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I think that he should be on the Carolina Panthers. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Fiddy's Eagle concert experience tonight. Maybe we can get a recap tomorrow. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you want to write that on the website? Write a little paragraph. What song
1: are you looking forward to hearing the most tonight?
0: Oh, Hotel
2: California. Are we going to get a million Snapchat stories? Are you going to remember it? Yeah, I'm going with family, so I'm not going to be partaking. Sloshed. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
0: All right, we'll get a full recap of that tomorrow from one Josh Fiddy Marlowe. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.